From St. Mark's Gospel, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Well, I'm back. Thanks be to God. I was, uh, <laughs> um, I was down with the Rona last week, as you know. It was a pretty mild case of it, thanks be to God. Congestion, cough. Um, I did completely lose my sense of taste and smell, though, which I think was the, was the worst and most bizarre part of it. But I'm thankful for two things. A, well, three things. Uh, he spared my family. I'm the only one in my household that's even contracted, that's tested positive, which is astounding. I thank God that it wasn't worse, and I'm reminded repeatedly of what a blessing it is to not only be the pastor of this congregation, but a member of it. You know, it's kind of a strange thing, and I'll bet it's kind of similar for a doctor, that when you're so used to caring for somebody, when somebody cares for you, it's got to be a little, a little strange. And so, as the pastor of this family, it's a little weird to be ministered to, I'll confess, but I thank God for you and for your prayers. Um, all that's to say, though, this whole corona thing did kind of mess up my plans a little bit, and here's why. Um, and again, I'm reminded God's in control, so just roll with it, Rodriguez. But uh, last week was supposed to be Stewardship Sunday, and I wasn't here. So guess what today is? Stewardship Sunday! Come on, little, little, had a little, little, little fun with it here. Uh, you know, and if you know what Stewardship Sunday is, Stewardship Sunday is the, is the Sunday of the year when the priest gets up and talks about money. And I will tell you, I don't like to do that. I don't like to talk about money. Um, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I, I, by my nature, you might not know this, but by my nature, I don't trust religious authorities, which is bizarro, but it's the way it is. Uh, I don't trust people that use religion or emotion or things to try to be manipulative. And so um, I'm skeptical of people that are, always, that are trying to use God to do, you know, politics or raise money or whatever it is. And so I have to tell you, and this is a, a, a bad a weakness of my own, that I am reluctant to talk about money. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. But I will tell you this, as your preacher who preaches the full counsel of God, who doesn't get the—I don't have the privilege, privilege of preaching just what I like and what I don't, we're going to talk about money. And I might start talking about it more than I do, because Jesus spends a lot of time, a lot of time, talking about money. He spends more time talking about money than heaven, hell, love, demons, you name it. It's, a, it's high up on the list. And, and the reason he talks about money so much is not because Jesus is a fundraiser, but because two points. Because what money, money tells us a lot about ourselves, how, how we think about money. It tells us a lot about who we are, our heart. And also money teaches us, or not, how to trust in God. And those are my two points for today, um, that money actually tells us a lot about ourselves. I'll get into that in a sec. And then also giving, tithing specifically, teaches us how to trust in God. So the first point I want to look at here, and, and again, I'm not going to do a deep dive on this, but what is money? I mean, specifically, what is where we spend our money tell us about ourselves? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? At its most basic level, where you spend your money is the things that you value right? Jesus says that where, and it's kind of interesting, it's a little more subtle than, you know, I like golf, so I spend money on it, or I like guitars, which I do, so I spend money on them, which I do. It's not quite that subtle. You know, Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart goes. And so it's not just, it's kind of like where you put your money actually directs 
where your affections drive at. According to Jesus, that's what he says, that where your treasure is, there your heart will go also. And so at its most basic level, what you do with your money actually directs where your affections will go. I'll give you an example. Just a month ago, it's hard to believe, but just a month ago was Christmas, right? December the 25th. And I will be honest with you, and I'll be honest with you more because my wife's not here, (laughs) that I, I really like to spend money on Christmas. I really do, and not on myself. I mean, in fact, I'm happy to not get anything at all at Christmas. If I want something, I typically just buy it if I need it. But I really like to spend money on Christmas. And when I was a kid, it's funny, you know, you think about it. When I was a kid, my brother Jimmy and my sister Michelle, you know, we'd wake up, bling, you know, at 4.30 in the morning and go tearing down the stairs and see this tree with presents everywhere. And it's just like, yeah, let's go. And it was game on, right? You remember those days? And so it was a, for, as a kid, you know, the exciting part was receiving gifts, right? The more the better. Bring it, right? But as I get older, and I know this is true for you, as, I'm, as a grown man and a man who's getting older, uh, Christmas, in fact, giving in general, what makes me happy is not giving gifts, but actually, I'm not, saying, not receiving them, but giving them. Christmas joy for me now is about giving gifts. The more the better. I, I will tell you this year, and I felt sort of strange when I caught myself doing it, I sat there and watched my family open their presents. I didn't even, and they were bringing me presents to open, like, here, Dad, because they wanted to give me stuff. But I was actually so, I'd say it, enraptured. I was so joyful. I was, I was happy to be giving to them. Why? Because, well, I love them. And if you think about it, just as a common sense thing, right, we want to give money to the things that we value. We want to give money to the things that we love. That's why you can buy your wife, you know, an expensive gift, and, it's like, and it makes no objective sense to give anybody anything, right? I mean, it's, but we want to. Why? Because we want to give things to people that we love. I love my family, and so I want to give to them. I love Jesus, and I love this family, which is why I give to him and to you. See, here's the thing I want you to really think about with the stewardship stuff. It's not about fundraising. It's not about meeting a budget. I just want you to examine your own heart because where you spend your money actually determines what you value. You know, Paul talks about this thing in 2 Corinthians. Let me read you a text here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Paul says this very thing about giving in the church. He's writing to the Corinthians, which is a church. And he says, he says, um, each one, each one of you, each person, each Christian must give as he has decided in his heart, which means after he thought about it. And he says, listen to this, not reluctantly and not under compulsion. Each person must decide in their own heart, in their own core, their guts, what they're going to give, but not reluctantly and not with, with compulsion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful, listen, a cheerful giver. Paul says, don't give reluctantly or grudgingly because God doesn't want money if you're grudging or reluctant. God loves a cheerful giver. That Greek word for cheerful is the Greek word uh, hilaros. It's where the word hilarious comes from. And it means not just joyful like, you know, I get a tax deduction out of this or I get to pull some strings with my influence. No, this word of joy means fun. Like you want to give it. Like kind of like when you want to give gifts to your children or to your, your grandchildren or to your family. I take great joy. I take happiness. I take Hileros joy in giving money to my children and paying for my kids' college education. 
And I want you to just think about this, about what you're thinking in your own heart about your giving, that what you value, what you give to actually determines what you will value. It, what you give to tells you a lot about your own heart, your own core, your own guts. And I will also say this, and I mean this with 100% certainty, I don't ever blow smoke from the pulpit, ever. So I'm going to say this. As your priest, I want to say this, hear me. I'm saying to you with 100% sincerity the following. If you are not giving joyfully, don't give. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. If you are not giving joyfully, if you're giving reluctantly or under compulsion, like Paul says, don't do it. I'm asking you not to do it. Because the very last thing that I want for you is for a person of this parish to give to our ministry together grudgingly or reluctantly or out of guilt or frustration. I don't want that for you. I'm your pastor. It's not biblical to manipulate people with giving. So I'm just saying this today. Giving shows us a lot about our hearts, and it should be a joyful thing. If your heart is not giving in an act of joy, don't. Because there's something bigger going on there. There's a deeper level, right? Everything's about levels in life, in our own psychological makeup. Giving is an act of joy, but what if it isn't, Father? What if giving isn't an act of joy for me? Well, okay, that's a real thing. That's a real legitimate thing. I hear you. But money actually tells us a lot about our own fear. Think about this. When you think about, oh, I'm not giving anything. And when I first heard about giving, I'll get this in a minute, that was my reaction. It's my money. I'm keeping it, man. Put that sucker away. But, but I, want you to, I want you to think about this for a second. And it's a, this is a legitimate, a sincere, and honest question. I think when people are reluctant to give joyfully to something which they love, reluctant to give joyfully in a church, it's because there's something, a level, a level down that you fear, and you're using that money to help you alleviate that fear. I'll give you a couple of examples. But maybe, maybe you're fearful to give because your money and your wealth actually is a barometer of your own self-worth. That's a really common one, particularly for men, for some reason. Maybe that's the case. Maybe your fear is that you'll feel like, I don't know, bad about yourself. Well, there's a, I want you to think about that for a second, because what you've done is you've let that money take your, val make your value and your worth instead of God, right? Money becomes an idol. It becomes a false god. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you are reluctant to give money because you don't have very much of it, right? Man, dollars, money is tight. But there's another thing. Then your fear is that, will God provide for me? But he says in Scripture, look at the birds of the air. And they, do, they row, do they sow or reap? No, and God provides for them. Why do you worry about that, oh, you of little faith? But my point is, in, in giving reluctantly or grudgingly shows you something about a fear underneath that I want you to examine in your own heart. Because that fear is keeping you from trusting God in some part of your life. So this is what I mean. When, when we talk about money, and why Jesus spends so much time talking about it, is that money is a very powerful thing. Listen, it can control us. It's an idol. It's a false god. It can become the thing that we trust. Money can, rather than trusting in the Lord. Which is why Paul warns us about it repeatedly. He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. You've heard this before. The love of money is the root it's not a root of all evil. He says it's the root of all kinds of evil, meaning the love of money, meaning loving money in God's place. Putting it first is the root of all kinds of stupid things that you do and I do. 
So when you pray about your commitment today to this parish family, to Trinity Episcopal Church, friends, I want you to give joyfully, and I mean that as your pastor. And if you're not joyful about it, talk to me. I'm not here to shake you down, man. I'm not here to get money out of you. I'm not here to raise funds to meet a budget. I'm here to pastor you and help you see how money and giving affects, tells us a lot about ourselves. That's my first point. And then the second thing I want you to want to look at here is how does giving to the church teach us to trust him more? How does giving to the church teach us to trust God more? Well, let me just say this. The obvious question is, how much do I give, Father? Right? Okay, well, that's a good question. And you, again, you've got to discern that in your own heart. But there are two, <laughs> there are two standards of giving in, in Scripture, right? The first one, uh, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, Luke says that, and I quote, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That is a giving level of 100%. You with me? Well, people do that. I mean, that's what nuns and monks do, right? And there are, there's a religious community in Pittsburgh of lay people called the Community of Celebration. It's an Episcopal community. And they live in, in communion. They give all of their belongings to the church, to each other, and they work together that way. That is how the early church did it, 100%. That's one standard, and it's a good one. It's kind of impractical, frequently. A second standard I'm going to tell you about today is the tithe. Here's another standard in Scripture, tithe. What is a tithe? A tithe tithe does not just mean you give money to the church. A tithe is 10%, listen, 10% of your income to the work of the church. I'm going to say it again. A tithe is 10% of your income to the work of the church. It comes out of Scripture, out of the book of Malachi, and I'm going to read it to you. It's extremely important what it says here. Listen. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. God says the following. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Wealth was measured by grain at the time. So, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, 10%. That there may be food in my house, listen, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. Listen to that. Bring the tithe in, God says, and put me to the test. I will tell you, friends, as your priest, that the first time I heard that, I thought to myself, you are out of your mind. I did. I was, I was a layman at Church of the Good Shepherd in Rosemont, Pennsylvania. I was 25 years old. First time I'd ever heard about tithing I was, was then. Up until that point, I'd go to church, throw a couple bucks in the plate, kind of like a tip to the big guy. You know, hey, thanks, Lord. See you next week. Uh, I, that was how I thought about it. I'm being, I'm being transparent and honest. That's how I thought about it. No one had ever challenged me before to think of it otherwise. That's what I did. And then when Father Moyer said, talked about this tithe thing, I thought to myself, you are out of your mind. 10%, that's a lot of money. And not only is it a lot of money, it's my money. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. My heart was not ready. I was not a cheerful giver at all. It was pride It was a lack of knowledge, too, and quite honestly, it was a lack of trust in God that stopped me. And it wasn't until later on, Father Moyer, the next year for Stewardship Sunday, he challenged me, or challenged all of us, and he he showed me something, that that Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says this, that the demand for the tithe, it comes with a promise. It comes, it's a quid pro quo. 
you do this, I will do this. Listen to this. It says, my, God says, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. You know, it is a biblical principle that you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, right? You've heard that? Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. That is always true. You are never as a person in the position to demand from something from God. You are not allowed to do that ever in Scripture except here. This is the only place where God says, you do this and try me. I dare you. I double dare you. Scripture says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test except for here. God says, bring the tithe into the, into the storehouse. Put me to the test and see if I will not rain down blessing upon you. See, friends, here's the thing I want you to come away with from today. No matter what you decide to do in your heart, I want you to hear me on this. The Christian life is all about one thing. And it's not about feeding the poor and clothing the naked. That's a, that's a consequence of it. But the, the Christian life is all about one thing, and it's growing in faith in God. That's the Christian walk. Once you become a Christian, your life is all about learning, is, is, be, is growing in faith. And that word for faith does not mean you believe that God exists. God doesn't care if you believe he exists. God assumes you believe he exists. That word for faith in Scripture is the word pistis. And it doesn't mean I believe he's there. It means, listen to me, I trust him. Growing as a Christian in faith in God is not, I believe he's there. No, God doesn't care if you believe he's there. He knows you know he's, he's there. Christian faith means that you learn to trust him. That is the Christian walk. That is the whole purpose of life, to learn to trust God more and more. And I'm going to challenge you on something. Tithing teaches us to trust him. How? Well, let me ask you this. How do you learn to trust anybody? And I don't mean God. I mean, how do you learn to trust any person, anybody you trust? How did you learn it, right? If someone says to me, hey, trust me, you don't trust them, right? Trust me, man, I'll do it. I'm not going to trust you. Well, how do you learn to trust anybody? Well, you learn to trust somebody when they do what they say they will do, right? I'll give you an example. I have a friend of mine a couple of years ago. Let's, let's call him Tommy Allen, because <laughs> that's his name, Tommy Allen. I hope he's not watching this. I love, he's one of my very best friends. But a couple, not two, three years ago, Tommy Allen was supposed to pick me up at the airport in Charlotte, North Carolina at 2 p.m. And I arrived, and I stood there, and I thought, well, where's, where is Tommy Allen after all? It's a very good question, and it's actually the same question asked by a lot of people I've come to find. Where's Tommy? Well, he was nowhere to be found. He forgot all about it. I love Tommy Allen. He would never be, he's one of my, he's a confidant of mine, but I can't, I can't rely on him. At least I can't rely on him to pick me up at the airport, which he did later at 4.30, after he got out of bed. <laughs> Here's the thing. Trusting in God, it's not complicated. It's not spiritual. It's the exact same dynamic. Learning to trust God means you are willing to risk. When I said, hey, Tommy, pick me up at the airport, I was risking that he wouldn't do it, right? And he didn't. But trusting in God is like trusting in anybody else. You have to risk in order to learn if that person will keep their word. You have to risk with God to see if he will keep his. That's how trust works. That's what God wants from you and I, to learn to trust him. 
You know, I started, I started tithing when I was 25 or 26 years old. And at that point, I, you may know, I had a corporate job working at Siemens Corporation making ridiculous money. And, um, and, and I tithed, and it was, it was hard, but I, we did it. And then I went to seminary in Ambridge, Pennsylvania. Anybody here from Ambridge, Pennsylvania? Good. Okay. It's a burned-out steel town, man. That's the best I got. But I went from making really good money to $21,000 a year with a family of four. Katie was a baby, brand, brand newborn. And I continued to tithe even in, even in seminary. Even though, I mean, I went through all my savings, I continued to tithe. 10% of my income goes to the, went to the life of my then and now to the church in which I worshiped. And I learned a valuable lesson. That God is faithful. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. He is worthy of my trust. At one point, Amy, my oldest daughter, who was, I don't know, four or five, she had fallen and hit her head on a curb and had a big old shiner, right? And of course, everybody looks at Kathy in the grocery store like she's, well, it's not a matter. But we took her to the doctor and we got a bill. I've told you this story before, but this really sealed the deal for me. Uh, we got a bill for $1,000 from the hospital. And I said to my, and I, didn't, I didn't have the money. I said, Kathy, how in, the wor- how in the world are we going to pay for this, right? I had no health insurance. Kathy had no health insurance. The kids were on WIC, if you can imagine. So anyway, I, I, we prayed about it. A week later, I got a letter in the mail from a friend of mine named Mike Hillenbrand, his real name. And he wrote a little note, and he said, Dear Chris, I am sending you this check. It is a tithe for my bonus for the year. And that check was for $1,000 to the penny what I needed. Thanks be to God. And I learned in that lesson an important thing, that God's trustworthy. He keeps his word, man. You really can rely on him. He really does do what he says. He'll do. And I want to challenge you this morning, friends, as your priest. Let me challenge you like Father Moyer challenged me 25, 26 years ago, to pray about the support for your parish, but really pray about what you love. And what do you want to love more? Because where you put your money, that's where your heart will go. And I want your decision to tithe be because of something joyful that you want to do and that you want your giving to help you learn to trust him more. Look, faith requires, trust requires risk, right? Let's step out in faith. It requires risk. It's always scary until you do it. And then you look back and go, man, why did I wait so long? But I will tell you this, because it's true for me and it's true for a lot of people in this parish. When you decide to tithe, you will learn the most important lesson of your earthly life, which is the following. That God is real and that Jesus can be trusted. Shall we pray, Father, help us to love you more and more. Help us to give joyfully to support of our parish family and to the ministry of the gospel. Let our giving, our tithe, increase our trust in you that, you, that we may learn to put you to the test and see how your blessings overflow in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.